0: As fewer people travel into the city for work, are we seeing the rise of the super commuter? The pandemic might have put the handshake on pause, but will the standard business greeting make a grand return when this is all over? And Tokyo announces foreign travellers won't be allowed at this year's Games. Monocle's editors tackle those topics today on The Late Edition, here on Monocle 24. Hello and welcome to the Late Edition here on Monocle 24. It's Monday, the 22nd of March, and I'm Carlotta Rubello. I'm joined here in Studio One at Midori House in London by our regular guests, our power duo on a Monday, of course, Monocle's Editor-in-Chief, Andrew Tuck, and Monocle 24's Culture Correspondent, Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Welcome both back to the programme. Great seeing you again on a Monday afternoon. What were you up to this weekend? Fernando, perhaps you go first.
1: Well, besides watching great TV, and actually I found out that Andrew's watching the same series as i am Uh, the flight attendant lovely camp delicious i recommend to all listeners i also was very happy on sunday calotta i managed to order pies from willie's pies which everybody's talking about in london but you have to like log in at 12 and and every time like i'm late or but i managed to get um, a lamb with spuds uh and it's going to be delivered on thursday
0: Well, next weekend, I hope we get the review from the Pies. Um, I hear the queue is enormous and almost impossible to get them delivered. You
1: need to be very quick. My God, it was like, it was 12. I I was just like, I don't even know how many I ordered.
0: Our culture editor, Chiara, she told me that uh, she had to try seven times until she was actually able to order them. Uh, Andrew, Pies, (laughs) Flight Attendant, what else is happening?
2: I think that's the equivalent being outed by somebody going on radio and saying you listen to the flight attendant. I'm watching a series about Plato and the the, the Greek philosophers. So of course, you've, you've got the wrong guy. It was guy. another Andrew. Yeah, you, you, you've got the wrong guy. I did also watch the uh, the film Minari, which is obviously up for several Oscars all in Korea and about a family who moved to Arkansas. Uh, and I just loved it. it was, it's so beautiful and touching and and wonderful so so that i i enjoyed doing that and or or not pies but um (laughs) we used a delivery service which is called cook and thief here in london which is very good it's like five very well-known chefs who've who've come together to kind of do their version of deliveroo and it's so well done and it's uh, what's interesting is i think there are many brands who during this past year have slightly lost the touch points with their companies and their consumer that big corporations who you know they're they're so remote now that you don't really know what they stand for here's an example of people who've gone out of their way to deliver something to your home that is not exactly the same as a restaurant experience but has lots of brand value so it's just really well done there's like a really interesting thing that comes in like paper bowls you know normal kind of takeaway fare but underneath the first bowl is like warm water which keeps the food hot so you can eat out of it and it's just like even there the kind of the the invention that's going on around packaging to allow you to get food that isn't cold like when you order a pizza or something so i was i was impressed and i i thought it was a good lesson for other companies as well as they look to see how they sustain their corporate values at this time
0: well that's a great start toward monday we have film recommendations and then i watched so <laughs> And also food recommendations. We did not just discuss today's top stories on this show. Great having you both here as always. Let's start today's program with a look and what a pandemic might mean for the future of travelling into a city for work. The Sunday Times newspaper here in London did an interesting piece on how the rise of working from home and commuting to a city for work only every now and then might lead to the creation of a super commuter, people who live quite far away from the city they work in. Uh, Andrew, you've spotted this story first. Uh, What did you make of it, and what do you think that ultimately it will do to cities? Because... We'll always have people who will remain in cities who love living in the middle of the urban mess. But it will be sad to see so many move away if this goes ahead.
2: Well, we have to see what actually happens Mm. once things kick off and we have to see how much of it lasts. But there is definitely going to be some movement of people, I think especially people who have already had their kind of fun years in a city, maybe people a little bit older, who's got families and they want to tap into good schools. So the interesting thing about this story is it says that many people have paid a very high premium to have homes within easy reach of city downtown cores, whether that's in Manchester, in Edinburgh, in London especially – and actually, the value that they've spent on these, these these homes is going to be slightly lost. Why Why do you need to live just thirty minutes from the centre of London when you could live maybe you know a hundred minutes away from the central uh, central London, and you, you won't worry about that if you're only coming into town maybe once or twice a week? So it means that the commuter belt goes from being just the area a few kilometres outside to a city to suddenly large parts of rural Britain become commuter belt in a way and i think that's going to be interesting as we see what happens then at the weekends already many market towns are seeing a little bit of a revival as you see shops you know benefiting from the people working from home who who would normally have been up in town during the week so i just like the way that it's remapping the city potentially and the the country potentially and we have to remember always that you know the ease of getting into the city has has shaped our city so in the 1800s as the, the rail networks pushed out you know suddenly this meant that people could get into cities easier so the whole of south london effectively popped up because train lines were put in place finally subway lines and overground uh, subway lines it was a really interesting way of expanding the city and so, this is just another example of how the, the, the demands of work and the availability of transport will once again remap urbanisation, I think, in this country.
0: Fernando, what are your thoughts on this? You see yourself i don 't know moving to the Scottish highlands, and if you have to come into the city once a week, which won 't happen but let 's let 's think and dream about it.
1: Well, I have to say the answer is no, but at the same time as as most people, I do have my idyllic fantasies as well of living you know abroad and, and you know one of the reasons that people go out because of course the city centre here in London. Of course, it's very pricey and there's a lack of space. And I think, you know, during the last year, people, you know, they reconnected a bit more with nature. I'm I'm being general here, but it is kind of true. So I kind of understand that. But, you know, I read this very interesting piece of the Sunday Times. And one thing I noticed, and I don't know if Andrew agrees with me, I do think there might be some changes in the workplace in the future. But it will be flexible. It's not that everybody will suddenly start working from home. So even those people, you know, moving away from, the, from, from let's say, from London or, or bigger cities, they will still come to the city, you know, it's going to be flexible. So the city still has its importance. Uh, if, even in the weekend, it will still be kind of the, where people go for entertainment, for bars, you know, they might combine, okay, this is the day that I'm going to work, so that's the day where I'm going to have a drink with a friend, go to a restaurant. So I think, you know, the city is definitely not that. Uh, and, and maybe in the UK it might be nice to, you know, London is such an important city, it might be nice to see other kind of city centres catching up as well. We, we should just point out that uh, <laughs> apart from a
2: pigeon, it's probably sitting on top of Nelson's column, there's no one who lives more centrally and has a better <laughs> view of all of London than Fernando, who lives in the heart of all the action in Soho. And I think the only time I've ever heard you saying you're going to the countryside, is because you're going to Brazil. It's not because <laughs> <Exactly>. you're...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trying to convince Fernando to come and join me for a stroll in East London is not an easy thing to achieve. I I'll can go for get a
1: weekend it. in the Scottish Highlands. I don't mind that.
0: <laughs> Just because you know you'll be returning to the city soon. Well, let's stay on the topic, I guess, of the impact the pandemic might or is having on our lives. Uh, when was the last time either of you shook hands? Uh, me this morning. You, Fernando?
1: Well, not shake hands, but I did hug a few friends here and there. You know, so.
0: <laughs> well, a new book is out this week and it's called The Handshake, a Gripping History. It's by the author Ella al Shamahi, And it charts the history of the handshake and she promises it will be back after the pandemic. Uh, well, we, I was going to ask you, Fernando, if you were a fan of the handshake, but you just said you've been hugging people. So well, maybe the yeah. handshake, is is it too little for you? No,
1: let me just clarify. I haven't <laughs> been hugging that many people. its I mean, but of course the handshake is important important and and you know and again it's one of those stupid things is he gonna die of course not and there's a new book out uh, about Ella al and, and and she's saying you know after seven million years uh, since we start handshaking according to her, of course we're not gonna stop I mean there's so many meanings to that. I think a handshake for me for example it can give you comfort in in times of need it can show power there's so there's so much that is lost uh, when we we lose the touch of course, for a period you know we're living in a pandemic i understand but but of course we'll be back people need that uh, i mean even uh, w- when i saw my my grandparents uh, in brazil it was a bit tough because i'm used to, we are used to hug a lot to kiss a lot and my parents said oh, don't don't go nearby but you know my grandma say please give me a hug you know it's uh, sorry i'm saying hug but i know we're talking about handshakes <laughs> but for me it's in the same sphere if you know what i mean <laughs> right
0: well but you wouldn't go to a business meeting and hug someone
1: well you would in brazil in brazil we do and 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 Sometimes we kiss as well, um, we do that in Portugal yeah. as well i've
0: always, I think that 's why I really love the handshake because I find it quite weird for strangers to come up to me and just you know in a business context to just give me two kisses. I'd rather go for the handshake. But if I do that in Portugal, I'm the weird one out. So when I moved to this country and found out that's the standard, I was so thrilled. Uh, but uh, Andrew, just this morning, I had quite a bit of an awkward moment uh, with uh, saying hello to our new colleague on Monocle24 because I panicked. I, I was just thinking, I-, I don't remember the last time I shook hands with anyone. So we opted for a-, a fist bump instead. Have you found an alternative to the handshake or do you just commit to it despite the pandemic?
2: Uh... I think if people want to do, like, chicken wings and elbows, and if people want to do fist bumps, then that's fine. But I just don't, I don't like, I've, I've done it, I just find it completely weird. It's, it's not, you know, first of all, if you're going to fist bump, you're still touching skin on skin, so you might as well shake hands. There's plenty of hand sanitizer around in this world, so if you shake hands and you're, you're concerned about it, of course, go and clean your hands afterwards. Uh, very early on in this 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 whole debacle of COVID, Anthony Fauci, obviously in uh, in, in charge of the COVID response in the U.S., he did say uh, in a podcast, he said, "I believe that the handshake will never come back," and it's one of the many things that you know is annoying about these people when they they speak in the moment because you just have to wait and see. This this is what we are saying about you know the city, all these other things. You have to draw your breath and see what happens. And I think that the handshake is, uh, is a, a, a natural thing. There are some people who don't like it. Some people have said, oh, I'm glad it went away. You know, I always thought it was dirty. I don't like touching other people. I don't like being touched. I think the majority of people find it's a little bit of a, a way of, of breaching something, that this, this space in between you. you. You're suddenly a little bit united with people. I mean, if we've seen shaking on a deal is, is part of you know, our, our whole culture. You know, shaking hands when you come to an agreement it, it means something. It's significant. And I don't think those things go away. They're, they're, they're ingrained in us. So I will continue to shake hands in the future and more so as people feel more comfortable with it. Um, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not worried about it. And I do believe it's important and will come
1: back. And if I may add here, of course, I, I definitely want to do a lot of handshakes and hugging and kissing and everything yes, that's another no, story <laughs> you're moving away from <laughs> the topic no but one thing that i have to tell you a in the next year at least things will be very awkward when we meet friends or work colleagues because everybody's different right i mean some people will be ready to give the handshake and others not so it's going to be quite an interesting thing as a society for us to understand what are each other limits i i predict it'll be a little bit confusing
0: Well, and as well with small talk, I guess, because we've all, you know, been speaking mainly to ourselves (laughs) in our own homes. The other day I was thinking about, you know, uh, the idea of going to report, for example in a, a conference where I don't know anyone, I'm almost as freaked out now as I was before I ever did it, right at the beginning of my career. And it, it's just like, a small talk and handshaking, it is an art and a skill that needs to be practiced. And <laughs> yes. I, for one, am very rusty, because we've been stuck indoors for a majority of the year. But I cannot wait to, you know, get back out there. Um, well, let's uh, look at public gatherings. I guess we're staying on the topic of um, COVID affecting our lives uh, today. Uh, over the weekend, Tokyo announced that no foreign travelers will be allowed at this year's Olympics. Eurovision's organizers uh, said that they're working on the event going ahead with no audience. And also the team behind this year's Oscars said no more Zooms for anyone and no more casual wear. Uh, The red carpet will be back and people will be attending. Uh, I mean, it is quite a a good statement from um, the Academy of Motion Pictures. Uh, Let's start with that story, Andrew. Uh, We're all very much tired of Zoom. It's good to get people out there again.
2: Well, I think it was a good patch at the beginning for keeping people together. And again, some of this will will linger and people do like some of it. But I think when you see in your inbox, you know, we're we're lucky to work in journalism, where you get invited to lots of events during the year and the openings of all sorts of things around the world. Suddenly, when you see in your inbox of a morning, you know, 20 invitations to attend the Zoom opening of something, you're just exhausted by it. there's no there's no real desire and you know, I I'm sure that many art fairs and art galleries have done well by having online viewing rooms, for example. But again, I, I I just I've I've stopped putting aside the time to go and do those things. there are ways that people are involved with me digitally and engage with me. Online, which are are still interesting, but that has has pulled away, and it comes back to these things that we talked about. You, the reason that you come together is because it celebrates something, and that notion of celebration, you can fake it a little bit online, but it's nothing the same as being in the same space and the same room with people. And I think the other funny thing is, you know, we're we're an odd point, you know that. You know, Europe's going into this kind of third wave at the moment. Here, the UK is still in a a deep state of lockdown. But we're not that far away. So if you look at events like Wimbledon, they will be going ahead this year. They probably will be at, you know, 50% capacity. By summer, theatres will be open. Again, they'll be at low capacity. The festivals, open air festivals, there's plenty of them. They're selling tickets. It looks like they will happen if they're towards the end of the summer and uh we are yet to reveal where but certainly the monocle quality of life conference will go ahead some point somewhere in the world at the end of the summer so i think this this notion of coming back it's important it's going to happen and we certainly have we've never desired to do those events in in a digital space online because they just don't mean as much.
0: Well, staying with that, the Eurovision is one of those perfect examples. They refuse to do an online event. They want to go ahead with the real thing. They have I believe four plans from A, B, C and D charting all the different scenarios if there's a national lockdown, if they can only have limited capacity. Now they said that realistically they will probably not have an audience, but the event itself is happening and I mean at least it's more than what we had last year.
1: It's definitely happening in real life, but you're right. I mean, I think they're still struggling to find if there will be an audience or not, or at least only the locals uh, from the city of Rotterdam. And again, I do. I think the difference between the Oscars and Eurovision and the Olympics is that Eurovision and the Olympics, they, they usually bring a lot of people from other countries. And because every country, as Andrew was saying there, they're kind of in a different path. Some are doing better than others. It is a little bit more of a struggle. I think the Oscars, they did the right choice. I mean, most actors, I presume. They live around Los Angeles, California, and they can do some a nice setup there. But but I'm glad that the Eurovision, the Olympics, they are going ahead, uh, no matter what. Of course, it's not going to be the same. You know, it, there's a lack of fun because uh, you know being there is much better. But at least at least they're happening like in in real life. We just have to wait and see because it's also on the 22nd of May. It's just in two months' time,
0: um, Andrew. And I guess just finally, looking at the Olympics. Of course, as Fernando just mentioned, these are events are really important because they bring people in from different countries. But what impact will it have not having foreign visitors? Of course, the money and the economy, but could the games even just with locals in the audience still feel the same? It's it's such amazing atmosphere that I just wonder if you do need that element of going there on purpose for the event.
2: Well, it's always nice to have someone cheering you on from your home nation, I'm sure. But I've got a feeling that if you're the only nation in the stadium and if you're certainly Japanese, there'll be a kind of sense of responsibility to cheer on the underdog, to cheer on people from other countries. I've got a feeling it could feel a very generous event if that happens and I'm sure that will happen. And I think you have to remember that the coaches will be there, other other officials will be there, so it won't solely be uh, Japanese people in the audience. And I think it will be just fine.
0: Well, wonderful. We'll leave it there for today's Late Edition. My thanks, of course, to Andrew Tuck and Fernando Augusto Pacheco and to our studio managers, Steph Chungo and Sam MP. I'm Carlotta Ribello here in London. The Late Edition is back at the same time tomorrow.